What time is it? Hello and welcome to the Bible Dig Godcast, a fun-filled exploration of archaeology and the Bible. And now, here are your hosts, author J.S. Earls and attorney Peter A. Papoutsas. We are about to hit 2,000 downloads. Wait, really? You guys. Awesome. Yeah. We're apparently more popular on Spotify than anywhere else, so... Definitely a big shout out to our Spotify listeners, but we are thankful for all of our listeners. Yay, yay. <laughs> and it's still it's been really cool to, to see that we have listeners. From, and we actually have people that care about yeah. what we have to say. Yeah, they. I mean, even if they're just laughing at us, but um, <laughs> yeah, but it's still cool. I think there's like I don't know, 35 or 40 countries where people have downloaded from. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it's that stuff is awesome because we know we're very American <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, e- even as Greek as Pete is uh, we hey, know we're very American, that, Mark. but we're but we do try to um, be as balanced as we can. And if we ever come across as um, disparaging against anything but the Egyptian zoos, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> let's not, let's not talk about the Egyptian zoos, please. Uh, but uh, yeah, but that's a very big thank you to you guys because um, that you actually enjoy us and and are getting some info out of this because that was our 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 point and we know that it's not always super exciting but it's always it's interesting because it's it's different than uh the other stuff that you necessarily hear all the time yeah i like to think of it as a time warp going back you know thousands upon thousands of years and and delving into these lives that have been recorded and it's just you know, if you just put the, even the the biblical aspect aside, you're talking about people's lives and situations and countries that you know are thousands upon thousands of years old, and we're going back in time and we're talking about it, and it's just fascinating. I've had a lot of bad history teachers, and I've had a cu- <laughs> couple really good ones, and they're really good. I mean, I think almost everybody I've ever talked to agrees with this, that you know, if you have a good history teacher, they make it real to you. They make the characters, right. they make the, you know, they really get you to connect with the real humans that were there, and they're just not having you memorize things or whatever. They, you, know, there's, right. you know, you really get to connect with those things. I agree. If you're listening to this in the latter part of 2018, just wanted to say a quick happy holidays. It's been a little crazy for both of us with a bunch of different things going on, but we are happy to be back and recording another episode. I was just going to say this, and I don't know how you feel about it or from your experience, but um, to me, like when a lot of people, you know, when they think about Abraham a lot, they think about, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, or they're more likely to remember or think about they kind of went their own way and stuff like that than than like this chapter that we're doing today. Unless they're like a real, I mean, I I could easily see like somebody who's like a real Bible historian or something like really remembering this because there's so many characters and there's so much going on. In this chapter oh but yeah it's a lot. just but it's just yeah i mean so many more people just think about like sodom and gomorrah and things like that they don't necessarily think about which they they're involved in this but it's not the story it's not the part of the story that most people remember right so, yeah i actually found this chapter um pretty fascinating and it's it's going to be i mean there's a lot of information in here um mm-hmm. and there's a lot of um historical and archaeological references so yes i mean a lot 
way more mm-hmm. than any other chapter we've done yet. Yes, that's so, true. So um, that's why um, Pete and I are going to kind of go back and forth a lot, um, reading through the chapter and and um, and also giving little uh, factoids. I, I I don't I don't not I do not like that word, but when I helped <laughs> do some writing for a toy company, that's what they called all the little things that you write about, like all the different like little figures or whatever. They always call them factoids. So I always yeah, it's the children of facts. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's sci-fi facts. Yeah, <laughs> it's a robot fact. So we'll be slipping those in here too, and then we will uh, try to comment on as much as as we can too. But um, yeah, there's gonna be we're gonna be throwing a bunch of stuff at you. Oh yeah, boom, 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 throwing it all, throwing it all. Yeah, definitely uh, listen because you're gonna hear a lot of places that we have recently mentioned. Obviously, there's gonna be some mention of Sodom and Gomorrah and some other places and Bella, which is Zoar, and uh, a bunch of other things that we have mentioned before. And just this kind of brings a lot of them all together. So yeah, and there's a lot of names in here. I don't know if I'm going to say these names properly. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Yes, please give us a lot of grace when it comes to the names. Because this, I mean, because this is this is like a ton of research, and then just to research all the pronunciations of the names on top of it, we Yuck. we probably need uh, that. Would be one of our prayer requests, and and future plans would be to bring in a linguist or something to help us <laughs> pronounce all these names. Yeah. Yeah, these are some pretty interesting names, man. You know, one of the things that I wanted to say leading up now to what we're going to be talking about, which is Abram and the Kings in Genesis 14, is that what we've seen from chapter 1 all the way up to chapter 14 now is that, and I wanted to bring this up because I was thinking about it, is that you know, we talked about the the fall of man, the fall of humanity with Adam and Eve, but when you look at all these chapters— what you see, and it's definitely going to be shown now when we get into Genesis chapter 14, is the progressive fall of humanity. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah and the flood, Nimrod with the, the Tower of Babel, and now Abraham with the kings and with the Egyptians. It's just like fall after fall after fall. That it's not just a one-time event, but it's a progression. It's kind of like you know when you drop a, a stone in the water and you see that ripple effect. Yeah, that's what the initial fall was. It created this earthquake in humanity that started with our first parents, and it has rippled out from there to successive falls. That God has been trying to get us back to that original state which we're not going to get back to that original state until we get back until we we go into the new testament and we see that with Jesus Christ but what you see in Genesis and then when we start going in going into the other biblical books is that this ripple effect of sin this ripple effect of of the fall it gets progressively worse and we keep falling and God brings patriarchs like Abraham prophets like Moses leaders like Joshua to kind of always rein us back in and bring us back in but doesn't always happen that way. And uh but now we're going to see a really big example of this of this fall uh in Genesis chapter 14 with the war. There is going to be a war that breaks out. It's not very nice, but it's fortunately again a consequence of the fall. All right, well, you know, let's get into it. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, one of the confederates of Chedorlaomer, king of Elam. It is now found that Amraphel, or Amma Rapaltu, is the 
Kamu Rabai, whose name appears on recently discovered monuments. After defeating Arioch, he united Babylonia under one rule and made Babylon his capital. The land of Shinar, the Septuagint and the Vulgate, which is the Latin Bible, it is pronounced Sinar, S-E-N-A-A-R. In the inscriptions, Shumir, or S-H-U-M-I-R, probably identical with Babylonia or southern Mesopotamia, extending almost to the Persian Gulf. Here, the Tower of Babel was built back in Genesis 11, 1 through 6, and the city of Babylon. The name occurs later in Jewish history. We see this in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11, and Zechariah 5, verse 11. Shinar was apparently first populated by Turanian tribes who tilled the land and made bricks and built cities. So it started out as purely agricultural, semi-nomadic, and then they started to make dwellings. Then tribes of Semites invaded the land and settled in it and became its rulers. This was followed in course of time by an Elamite invasion, from which the land was finally delivered by Kamarabi, the son of Amrapel, who became the founder of the new empire of Chaldea. Arioch, king of Elisar. Lion-like, venerable. Tablets recently discovered by Mr. Pinches. Whatever that is, uh, you can look that up, people. He's a guy who pinches. So that he pinches pennies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go with that one. He's a lawyer. <laughs> Had to go there. Had to go there. So the true reading is Eri Eku of Larsa. This Elamite name meant servant of the moon god. It was afterward changed to Remsen, have mercy, O moon god. That's Daniel 2.14. Eleazar. E-L-L-A-S-A-R, the oak or heap of Assyria, a territory in Asia of which Arioch was king, Genesis 14, 1 and 9. It is supposed that the old Chaldean town of Larsa was the metropolis of this kingdom, situated nearly halfway between Ur, now Magair, Magair, and Erech on the left bank of the Euphrates. This town is represented by the mounds of Seneca, or Senecur, a little to the east of Erech. We've talked about the mounds before in this area, like around Nineveh and stuff, so it's a very rich archaeological area. Chedoralamur, <laughs> king of Elam. King Cheddar. Yeah, <laughs> King Cheddar, yeah. Also known as Chedoralamur, Kuder Lagomar of the inscriptions. Many centuries before the age of Abraham, Canaan and even Sinaitic Peninsula had been conquered by Babylonian kings, and in the time of Abraham himself, Babylonia was ruled by a dynasty which claimed sovereignty over Syria and Palestine. The kings of the dynasty bore names which were not Babylonian, but at once South Arabic and Hebrew. The most famous king of the dynasty was Kamu Rabbi who united Babylonia under one rule and made Babylon its capital. When he ascended the throne, the country was under the... Suzerani. Suzerani of the Elamites and was divided into two kingdoms. That is Babylon, the biblical Shinar, and that of Larsa, the biblical Elarsar. The king of Larsa was Eri Aku, the servant of the moon god, the son of the Elamite prince, Kudar Mebug, 
<laughs> yeah. Who is entitled the father of the land of the Amorites. You know, what's the interesting thing about all these names is, is that when you, when you look at the various um, biblical texts, um, you know, you have the traditional Hebrew text, the Aramaic Targums, the Septuagint, the Samaritan Pentateuch, the Bashido, all of these names are like so incredibly different because, you know, between right. the Greeks, the Babylonians, the, the Hebrews, um, whether it's northern Israel, southern Israel, uh, Egyptians, you know, we have different ways of pronouncing words because of the different way we speak. So, you know, it, 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 when you start, when they say, well, this name really means this name and this name really means that name, that's not, that's not a problem because that's exactly correct. I mean, everybody says these names and these people a different way. Or, you know, they can call this guy by another name because it's a descriptive name because of what right. he does or whatever. Right. So I just wanted to throw that in there because people are like, people may be like, man, why are these people called one name? And now they're being identified with another name and another person on this description, whatever. Very common. Just like how um, we said before with uh, Nimrod. Nimrod was like 99% probably not his name. It's just what the Jews called him because... Uh, of what he did and how he acted and, and his, the, the fact that he was right. uh, such a severe rebel against God. And that, that right. it, and it was also, you know, in some of those cultures too, like that they would not even use the uh, the person's real name to not give them the respect that, that they wanted when they were, you know, somebody that was so against God or their beliefs or whatever that they would, right. it's, like, it's like, you know, well, no, we're not going to give you that respect. We're not going to give you your name. We're going to, we're going to scratch your name off of the tablet here, whatever, kind of like the ancient version of defriending, if you want right. to think exactly. of it that way. Um, and more likely than not, and I, and I do think that there's a consensus that, that Nimrod probably was Gilgamesh that's mentioned in the Epic of Gilgamesh. There you go. Ancient deplatforming, ancient defriending happens even to this day. We just have different technological tools that do it. So now we're talking about Elam, Highland, the son of Shem in Genesis 10, 22, and the name of the country inhabited by his descendants, lying to the east of Babylonia and extending to the shore of the Mediterranean. That's pretty. That's a lo- that's a distance in a direct line of about one thousand miles. I was going to say that's a long line, uh, long distance. The name Elam is an Assyrian word meaning high. The inhabitants of Elam or the highlands to the east of Babylon were called Elamites. They were divided into several branches, speaking different dialects of the same agglutinative language. The race to which they belonged was Brachycephalic or short-headed like the pre-Semitic Sumerians of Babylonia. So they got short heads as opposed to what, long heads? I don't know. The earliest Elamite kingdom seems to have been that of Anzan, A-N-Z-A-N, the exact site of which is uncertain, but in the time of Abraham, Shushan, or Susa, appears to have already become the capital of the country. Babylonia was frequently invaded by the Elamite kings, who at times asserted their supremacy over it, as in the case of Cheddar Lomair, of the cuneiform text. So this is like the ancient, you know, stone tablets, the cuneiform tablets that we have there in that part of the Middle East. Later Assyrian monarchs made several campaigns against Elam and finally Assurbanipal about BC 650 succeeded in conquering the country which was ravaged with fire and sword. On the fall of the Assyrian Empire, Elam passed into the hands of the Persians. So says AH Sasi. Say 
Sassy? Sassy. Yeah, whatever. What, what, what Jeff said. <laughs> this country was called by the Greeks Sissia or Susiana. Yeah. Ring a ding ding. Let's get the Greek part. Man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and title, King of Nations. That's an interesting one. Tidal or Tidal uh, in the Septuagint called Thorgal, uh, mentioned as Tekula on Ariok's brick. Goyim translated nations. That's us, by the way. A non Jew is called a Goyim. Ah, the non Jews translated nations. <laughs> Goyim translated nations in the country called Gutium, east of Tigris and north of Elam. Yeah. That they made war with Bera, king of Sodom. Here's Sodom being mentioned the first time. Bera, gift or son of evil, king of Sodom, at the time of the invasion of the four kings under Chedorlaomer, son of evil, king of Sodom. <laughs> what are you trying to tell us there? What are you trying to tell us there? This is interesting. This makes you wonder if there was another name for uh, Sodom. Uh, yeah. so- Sodom, also meaning burning. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The walled, a city of in the Vale of Siddim. The wickedness of its inhabitants brought down upon it fire from heaven by which it was destroyed. This city and its awful destruction are frequently alluded to in Scripture. In Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, Matthew, Romans, Second Peter, and elsewhere. What? You mean there's New Testament references of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? Say it ain't so. Yeah, uh, I, would t- I would recommend people reading the New Testament accounts of Sodom and Gomorrah because they are much more vivid than what you have in the Old Testament. But that's just me. You can actually go onto the biblicalarchaeology.org website, and um, this was an article that was written actually back at the beginning of this year, January 4th of this year, where they found Sodom and Gomorrah. It was in Jordan. The Jordanian government has now recognized this area as the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. In the article titled, Where is Sodom? in the March-April 2013 issue of Biblical Archaeological Review, Archaeologist Stephen Collins combines clues from biblical geography and archaeological evidence from the site of Tal el Hammam in Jordan to suggest that the author of Genesis 13 located Sodom in a fertile area northeast of the Dead Sea. So where is Sodom according to the biblical geography of Genesis 13? Sodom and its sister cities are located in the large oval-shaped fertile plain just north of the Dead Sea called simply Ha-Kedar, or the disk. Genesis 13, verse 13. In biblical geography, this well-watered disc-shaped plain, said to have been located east of the highland towns of Bethel and Ai, Ai, was an area like the Garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, where Lot moved his family after his quarrel with Abraham. It is also the place where the biblical writers set their dramatic tale of Sodom's wickedness and destruction. Bersha, king of Gomorrah. Bersha is, uh, or translated as, son of wickedness, king of Gomorrah, whom Abraham uh, succored, succored? Sucker in the Yeah, I guess defeated, yeah. in the invasion of Chedorla. King Cheddar. You know, yeah, so again, Sodom, evil, Gomorrah, wickedness. Again, the, the text is being very clear as to what they, they're thinking of these two cities. Over to you. JS. Gomorrah, Submersion, one of the five cities of the plain of Siddim, which were destroyed by fire. The city is always mentioned next after Sodom, because apparently Sodom was the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> after Sodom, both of which were types of impiety and wickedness. 
Jinab, king of Adma. This is cooling, or it means cooling. The king of Adama. Well, that's like a Battlestar Galactica reference there. The king of Adama in the valley of Siddam, who with his confederates was conquered by Cheddar Lamir, Genesis 14.2. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Got went a little off on the pop culture there. Okay. Adma, Earth. One of the five cities of the Vale of Siddam, it was destroyed along with Sodom and Gomorrah. It is supposed by some to be this. It is supposed by some to be the same as the Adam of Joshua three sixteen. That's interesting. The name of which still lingers in Damia, the Ford of Jordan. And this is a good example for all you kids out there that you can be punished with those that you hang around with. So you need to pick good friends. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Shemeber, Shemeber, king of Zeboam. S-H-E-M-E-B-E-R. Soaring on high, the king who joined with the other kings in casting off the yoke of Cheddar Lamir. After having been reconquered by him, he was rescued by Abraham. Zeboam, gazelles or rose, one of the five cities of the plain of Sodom, generally coupled with Adma. It had a king of its own and was therefore a place of some importance. And the king of Bela, that is Zoar. Bela, a thing swallowed. And that's <laughs> this is not this is not going good for these cities, man. Evil, wicked, you know, things swallowed up. A city on the shore of the Dead Sea. It was the only one of the five cities that was spared at Lot's intercession. Genesis nineteen twenty and twenty three. It is first mentioned in Genesis fourteen two and verse eight. Good job, Lot. Zoar means. Small, a town on the east or southeast of the Dead Sea to which Lot and his daughters fled from Sodom. It was originally called Bela. It is referred to by the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah, and its ruins are still seen at the opening of the ravine of Kerak, the Ker Moab, referred to in Second Kings 3, the modern Tel Esh Shagar. All these joined together in the Valley of Siddam, that is, the Salt Sea. Valley of the Broad Plains, which is the Salt Sea, Genesis 14, 3, 8, and 10. Between Engedi and the cities of the plain, it was full of slime pits. The revised version of the Bible says bitumen pits. Is that like asphalt pits or like tar pits or something? Uh, I don't know. I'll look it up. Okay. Here, Cheddar Lamir and the Confederate kings overthrew the kings of Sodom and the cities of the plain. God afterwards, on account of their wickedness, overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the cities, and the smoke of their destruction went up as the smoke of a furnace, and was visible from Mamre, where Abraham dwelt. Bitumen is also known as asphalt. Asphalt, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and it was also known, before it became known as asphalt, it was known as asphaltum. Asphaltum. So is asphalt is what, but is asphalt tar? Asphalt is tar, isn't it? Asphalt, also known as bitumen, is a sticky, black, and highly viscous liquid or semi-solid form of petroleum. And that sounds like tar. Tar is a dark brown or black, viscous liquid of hydrocarbons and free carbon. 
obtained from a wide variety of organic materials through destructive distillation. Okay. So, so it's tar. I, I, I think it's <laughs> very similar to tar. Very similar. All right. Twelve years they served Chedoralamur, who was the king of Elam, and in the 13th year they rebelled. Uh-oh. Getting, getting real now. So all these other kings, you know, were serving this one king, the king of Elam, uh, Chedoralamur, and now in the 13th year, they rebelled, which if you notice, it's the evil 13 popping its head up. 13th, you know, Friday the 13th, I don't know. They just, yeah. But in that 13th year, they rebelled against Chedoralamur. <laughs> we should just call him Cheddar. Cheddar, um, right. That's the first part of his name is Chador. Cheddar. Chador Lamor. Laomer. Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. For more info on the Bible Dig Godcast, please visit the Bible Dig Facebook page, where you'll discover a treasure trove of photos, the latest archaeology finds, and our monthly Bible study. And remember, when in doubt, just get diggy with it. What's a row? Well, uh, no, row? Gazelles are row. I don't know what a row is. Like a row, like a row of chairs? No, that's a W. No, R-O-E-S. I don't know. you got to look that one up. Probably some kind of creature close that's like a gazelle. Okay, you want to look it up on your smartphone? Nope. I want to keep reading. You find out what a row is? I was looking it up. Uh see, row... Well, that's interesting. That's not a. Uh, uh, it's not a gazelle. <laughs> no, not that. Not according to this, uh, which I remember seeing this because it's in. Um, uh, some people have it in sushi, I believe. Um, but it's. <laughs> um, Here we go. Here we go. Row or hard row is the fully ripe egg masses of fish and certain marine invertebrates. Well, that just ruined my lunch. Thanks. <laughs> What the heck are you talking about? What is that? Uh, what is that? Ew! The hardened part of an egg, or like a? It's like um, caviar. Uh, it's like caviar. Oh, are you talking about fish eggs? Oh, that's not too bad. I guess they're lower quality. Yeah, lower quality. It's like Walmart kind of. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I'm not going there. I just want to say, Bible Dig does support Walmart. It's a nice store. Half of Bible Dig supports what? No. <laughs> <laughs>